Hey y'all, you're listening to the Faith Church Sermon Podcast. We are so excited that you're connecting with us today. It is our desire for you to grow as a result of the resources we provide here. We pray that this blesses you today as you seek to know Him more. Hello everyone. I'm really excited about this um, uh, sermon series on Romans Gospel Truth. Uh, I love it. Um, I, as I was preparing for this message, I began to reflect on my own spiritual journey. Uh, um, I heard the good news of Jesus very early in life. Whenever I give my testimony, I usually say that I received Jesus at the ripe old age of five years old. Um, but that's what happened. At five years old, uh, my parents told me about Jesus. Uh, I heard about Jesus in, in, in my church, and I embraced Jesus in a childlike fashion. I embraced Jesus into my life, and I began to follow him. As I moved into my teens... Uh, I did some things that I'm not proud of and some things that actually I'm ashamed of. Um, and sort of friends and sports became, in the, became sort of like my attraction. And Jesus sort of took the back seat in my life, or following Jesus took the back seat. I never denied my faith, uh, but uh, I was certainly not following Jesus the way that I should have. As I moved into my 20s, however, I began to think more seriously about my spiritual life, and uh, that's when I decided that I was going to rededicate my life to Jesus Christ and begin to follow him more closely. At the same exact time, I was attending a church that was actually given to judging people on the basis of an uh, unwritten but uh, very recognizable uh, rules. Uh, They had sort of, if you attended that church for a little bit of time, you pretty soon would know what the rules are. And um, people judged each other in the church and also outside the church on the basis of those rules which were part of the of the mentality of the people. Um, They were good people. They loved Jesus, and they wanted to serve Jesus, but there was this self-righteous behavior that perpetrated throughout the church. And eventually, obviously, I also got caught up into that, and I too began to judge people on the basis of the rules which I uh, very clearly became, uh, you know, part of my life. Um, Now, God delivered me from that, but I want to save that for later in the message. The question, though, arises, can Christians develop a self-righteous attitude? And the answer is absolutely. One of the most common criticisms that Christians receive from non-Christians, you know what it is? That we are judgmental, critical, and hypocritical people. That we are a bunch of self-righteous people. I believe that many times we are tempted to think that self-righteousness is sort of like a lesser sin than the other sins, especially, uh, you know, when you're talking about the sins that Paul mentions in chapter 1, and we think, well, at least it's not something as bad as the ones that he mentions there. But as we were reminded last week, Jesus reserved the harshest words to the religious, self-righteous religious leaders of his day. The bottom line is that God hates a self-righteous attitude, and in a moment, you will see why. The word gospel means good news, 
And after a brief introduction to the latter, Paul uh, makes this statement. He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, the good news, because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then for the Gentile. In other words, the gospel of Jesus Christ is infused with the power of God and is able to save a person from eternal damnation because of their sins to eternal life in the presence of God. Now, once you get past verse 17, though, you know, we would say, well, that's great news, Paul. Thank you very much. But then once we get past verse 17, it's nothing but bad news. And the reason Paul begins with the bad news, I believe, is because when, uh, you know, a person will never embrace the good news of Jesus Christ until they re realize how bad the bad news really is. And Paul says here, both to the Jew and Gentile, essentially what he's saying is, it's bad news for everyone, for every one of us. In Romans chapter 3, verse 23, which is really the capstone of everything Paul has been saying in chapters 1, 2, and even halfway through chapter 3, he says this, he says, all, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That is, from, they come short of the glorious standard, the standard of righteousness that God has set for us. He says, we all fall short of that. We all have sinned, and we don't come even close to the standard of righteousness that God requires from us. Now, if you have your Bibles, I, wanted to, I want you to turn to Romans chapter 2. We're going to be focusing on verses 1 through 11. But let me give you a little recap. In chapter 1, Paul was, uh, was speaking primarily to the Jews. But when he gets to chapter, or to, to the Gentiles, I, uh, I mean. But when he gets to chapter 2, he moves the spotlight from the Gentiles to the Jews. And as we study this passage today, we'll be reflecting on a powerful theme that I believe resonates with deeply within each one of us, and that is our own tendency to develop a self-righteous attitude. Now, what do we mean by a self-righteous attitude? Let me give you a definition. A self-righteous attitude is when I compare myself to others and see myself as morally or spiritually superior. That is, I look at someone else and I say to myself, I'm better than they are. I have better morals, I'm more advanced in my walk with God. Now, how do I recognize a self-righteous attitude in my life, and how can I know if self-righteousness is creeping into or has crept into my life? That's where this passage helps us to understand that. Let's read verses 1 through 11. Here's what Paul says, chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. You, therefore... Have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else, for at whatever point you judge the other, you are condemning yourself, because you who pass judgment do the same things. Now we know that God's judgment against you who do such things is based on truth. So when a mere man, so when you mere man, pass judgment on them and you do the same things, do you think that you will escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, tolerance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you to repentance? But because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteousness will be revealed. God will give to each person according to what he has done. 
to those who by persistence in doing good, in doing uh, good, seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil. First to the Jew, first to the Jew, then for the Gentile. But glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does good. First to the Jew, then for the Gentile. For God does not show favoritism. Let's pray and ask the Lord to guide us as we look into this passage. Father, we thank you and we praise you for your word. And now, Father, we invoke the help of your Holy Spirit. Father, you said in your words that the Spirit of God will teach us all things. And Father, we need his help to be able to understand not only what this passage is saying, but how it relates to us. How uh, I need to measure myself by what I'm hearing and by what I'm seeing in God's word. So help us, Father. Help us, Holy Spirit of God. Help us to understand and to move on into a greater walk with you, into a closer walk with Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now here in Romans chapter 2, Paul identifies three different signs of self-righteousness, of self-righteous attitude. If you want to recognize self-righteousness in your life, you need to pay attention to these three signs uh, that Paul's talking about here. Uh, he observed it in the lives of the Jews, but let me tell you, you cannot, it's also present many times in our own lives. Now the first sign of a self-righteous attitude is the tendency to pass judgment on others. When I develop a self-righteous attitude, I find myself always looking at the other person, comparing myself against, uh, against their lives, or maybe I observe something in their lives and I say to myself, I'm better than they are. I'm in a higher spiritual plane than they are. Listen to what Paul says here. You, therefore, and when he says you here throughout this passage, he's talking about the Jews. Um, and he says here, you therefore have no excuse. Now he has said it already in chapter 1 verse 18 when he's talking about the Gentiles. He says, you have no excuse. Now he turns to the Jews and he says, you have no excuse either. You who pass judgment on someone else for at whatever point you judge the other, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. Now the Jews, these Jews that Paul's talking about, they had developed a self-righteous attitude, especially towards the Gentiles. They viewed themselves as the guardians, as the interpreters of the law, and Gentiles as sort of like inferior sinners lost outside of God's concern or even God's favor. They thought their intellectual knowledge of God and of God's laws gave them superior standing with God and with people. And once they developed a self-righteous attitude, they began to judge people on the basis of the list that they had compiled. I, meet a lot, I met a lot of Christians throughout my lifetime who sometimes think that because they have been Christians for a long period of time, or because they have uh, you know, a lot of knowledge about the Word of God, that that gives them the right to be able to judge other people, and nothing could be farther from the truth. Paul says here, it is foolish to judge others, because when you judge others, you are setting a standard by which others are going to judge you. It's like you looking in the mirror and pointing your finger at the mirror and saying, you are a sinner, 
you are going to bear God's wrath. And all along, that person in the mirror is pointing right back at you. The standard you see or that you use to judge other people is the standard by which others will judge you, except for one thing. Their list may be different. And you know what? Their list may actually contain the sins that you are committing. And Paul adds here, judging others is hypocritical. You're passing judgment on what someone else is doing when you have your own sins in your life. Your sins may be different, but your condition is the same. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You too are in the same condition as they are. And Paul here is saying the same thing that Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew chapter 7. Listen to what Jesus said. He says, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure that you use, it will be measured to you. In other words, the standard that you use to judge someone else is the standard that's going to be used to judge you. But then Jesus goes on to illustrate what he means in, in, in that chapter in verses 3 to 5. He says, why do you look at the speck of dust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. See, Jesus in Matthew chapter 7 and Paul in Romans chapter 2 are teaching the same thing. And that is, a self-righteous attitude causes us to minimize, to minimize our sins and magnify the sins of others. And that makes us feel good about ourselves. It makes us think that we are better than they are and able to help them even. But Jesus says here, first, remove or recognize and deal with your own sins. Take the plank out of your own eye first. Why is this important, Jesus? Well, it's important because when you magnify, when you recognize how broken and how sinful you are, it changes your attitude. You become aware that you don't have all your ducks in order either. It changes you from a hypocrite or judgmental person into a person that can identify with the struggles of the person that you're trying to help. So the first sign that I have, uh, that I see in my life, if I become a self-righteous person, is the tendency to pass judgment on other people. But Paul goes on and, and he, he mentions another sign of a self-righteous attitude, and that is the tendency to think that I can get a pass on God's judgment. That I can get a pass on God's judgment. That judgment is not for me. It's for those bad people out there. That judgment actually does not have anything to do with me. That I'm sort of like God's favorite in some sort of way. And Paul reminds us that there's no favoritism with God. But listen to what he says in verses 2 and 3. He says, now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere man, pass judgment on them and you do the same things, do you think that you will escape God's judgment? See, when a person thinks that they are better morally or spiritually than someone else, it leads them to believe that they have the right 
to pass judgment on other people. The problem is that our judgment is always biased, isn't it? I shared with you in the beginning about my struggle with self-righteousness. But I'll be honest with you, the list I followed made me feel pretty good about myself. Because my list did not contain or include the sins that I was committing. It made me feel that I was in a higher spiritual plane than the other person. As I look back, it's not as if I woke up one morning and decided that, oh, no, today I'm going to become a self-righteous person. See, the list slowly began to change my attitude. Slowly. And turn me into a self-righteous Christian. See, self-righteousness is not something that erupts into your life. It is something that creeps into your life and turns you into a judgmental person. And the more righteous, self-righteous you become, the more you believe that you have the right to judge other people. Now, don't misunderstand me here. It's okay to judge something as right or wrong, truth or an error, based on what God says in his word. Actually, we're going to see in the verses that followed after verse 11, Paul's going to talk about the fact that we have the law of God written in our hearts, in our conscience, that either tells us that we are doing the right thing or the wrong thing. And so, uh, you know, we have that sense of what is right and what is wrong. And God wants us to be able to have that sense. He wants us to be able to discern between what is right and what is wrong. But it is not okay to pass judgment. And the word pass judgment here emphasizes the idea of pronouncing verdict on someone. Because our judgment is flawed and unreliable. That is something that is reserved for God and God alone. God's judgment is different because it is based on truth. Not only the truth of his word, but also the truth of your life and mine. God will reveal what every person has done, the works that they have done, how they did it, and why they did it. And Paul adds here, no one bypasses God's judgment, and there is no favoritism. You don't get a pass. Paul goes on in greater detail about God's judgment. And one of the questions that usually people have is, um, am I going to have, I'm a Christian, am I going to have to stand before the courtroom of God in the, that day for judgment? Yes. Now, bear with me for a moment. Verse 6. God will give to each person according to what he has done. Each person. To those who by persistence in doing good, seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil, first to the Jew and then for the Gentile. But glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does good, first to the Jew and then for the Gentile. For God does not show favoritism. Paul mentions here two groups of people. Group number one, those who have embraced the truth of the gospel. And out of their love for God, they have persisted throughout their life, lives 
in doing good works and sought glory, honor that comes from God, immortality that comes from God. Uh, they were not after the glory and the honor that of, of, uh, of earth here. They didn't care about what people said about them. They wanted the glory of God, the honor that comes from God, that which they sought after and persisted in it throughout their lives. Their works will be tested, the Bible says, and God will give them what they deserve. And Paul tells us what they deserve, what God says they deserve. Eternal life, glory, honor, and peace. Eternal life, glory, honor, and peace. Now, it's important. They are not being saved because of their works. They are not being saved because of their works. They're being rewarded for their works. They have embraced Jesus Christ into their lives. They have persisted in doing good works throughout their lives. And now God says, I'm going to reward you for being, for doing the good things that you were supposed to do. That's the first group of people. And yes, Christians will be there and will have their works tested by God. Actually, in uh, one of the Corinthian letters, Paul also talks about the fact that some of your works will burn up. Some of our works is going to burn up because God is going to test the attitude in which you did those works. The motive that, that those things that motivate you to do what you did. Um, and some of it will stand God's fire. Some of it will you know, it will be true. It will be uh, things that you did because you wanted to seek the glory of God when you did it. You are not doing for self-glory. You're doing for the glory of God. And so God says, you're going to receive your reward. But for those who deny uh, and who reject the truth, he, that's the second group here. He says they reject the truth of the gospel and whose works will be revealed to be self-seeking and tainted with evil. Evil works, evil motives, evil attitudes. And for them, the Bible says, they'll receive God's wrath. This is what they deserve, God's wrath and anger, because they rejected the truth. God, throw them the lifeline. Jesus Christ, who is able to, uh, to change their lives and to give them hope and to, to forgive their sins, all of a sudden they have rejected that and they'll receive God's wrath and anger. Trouble, feeling hemmed in without escape. Distress, extreme anguish. Can you imagine being in the court of heaven and God looks at you and you're there and God reveals that all your works, you rejected the truth of the gospel, you rejected, you, 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 you did everything for self-glory and for self-honor, nothing stands this fire and all of a sudden everything burns up and God pronounces the verdict upon your life and you see yourself actually before God, there's no way of escape, there's no way to buy out you're by yourself out of the problem. This extreme uh, anguish that comes over you. And Paul says, that's how it's going to be. I don't know about you, but I know which group I want to be in. When I have a self-righteous attitude, it leads me to believe that I'll bypass God's judgment. But there's a third sign of a self-righteous attitude, and that is the tendency to forget that judge God is also a kind and merciful God. He says here in verses 4 and 5, Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, tolerance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you to, toward repentance? 
But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed. Rachel and I, every now and then, we watch Judge Judy on TV. How many of you do that? I can't believe that you actually raised your hand. Some of you went like this, you know. You didn't want the person next to you to, you know, to realize that you also judge, judge, watch Judge Judy. But she has a saying, and it goes like this. In my courtroom, my opinion is the only one that counts. You know what? In God's courtroom, the only opinion that counts is God's. What will have a bearing in how the verdict goes is whether you have repented and embraced God's kindness revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. Did you ever ask yourself, how does God feel when a person dies without having embraced the good news of the gospel? Here's how he feels in Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 23. Here's what he says. He says, do you think that I like to see wicked people die? says the Sovereign Lord. Of course not. I want them to turn from their wicked ways and live. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9, The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some count slowness. He's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God doesn't want you to die in your sins. He wants you to embrace the good news of Jesus and live. Paul says here in verse 5, when you do that, you're storing up wrath against yourself for the day of wrath. When you reject, when you live for yourself in selfish ways, you're storing up for yourself God's wrath. The good news is that God has provided for us a way of escape from his coming wrath. Again, back to Romans 1.16. The gospel is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. I don't know who you are, what your background is, or whatever. You come here with maybe bringing a whole baggage of things that you've done in the past. It doesn't matter. What matters is that God offers you a brand new start with him, a fresh start with him, and you can have it today. You can have it today. So what are we to do with what we've heard today from this message and from God's Word? Let me give you quickly a couple of things. I need to ask myself two questions. Have I embraced the truth of the gospel in my life? That is so important. If you're here today, ask yourself the question, if I were to die today, what would happen? God doesn't want you to die with your sins. He wants you to give them up and allow Jesus Christ to come into your life and to forgive you of your sins. To, he has already performed the sacrifice. The sacrifice has been finished, but you need to make it effective by embracing Jesus Christ into your life. The bad news is that it really doesn't matter who you are or who I am. We're all sinners left to ourselves. We don't have a prayer. We really don't. But we don't have to be left to ourselves. God has provided us the way of escape, a way for us to become righteous in his sight. And that is by placing your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ and what he has done in the cross for you. And when you do that, 
it makes you righteous in his sight. Here's what he says in 2 Corinthians 5.21. God has made him who knew no sin, him meaning Jesus Christ, who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in him, in Jesus Christ, we might become the righteousness of God. The moment that you accept Jesus into your life, you know what God does? He makes you righteous. He makes you righteous as if you had never sinned. He separates your sin as far as the east is from the west, the Old Testament says. So I need to be able to embrace that. But there's another question that I need to ask myself, and that is, am I a self-righteous, judgmental person? Always judging people because I think I'm better than they are? We don't have the right to pass judgment on people. It doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian or how well do you know the Bible. Only God has that right. Very few things are more damaging to the cause of Christ than a self-righteous, judgmental Christian. Jesus never told us to make to pass judgment on people. You know what he said to us? You know what the mission uh, that he left for you and for me? Go and preach the gospel. Not preach judgment. The Bible says that not even Jesus came to condemn the world, but to save it. Our job as the, as the people of God is to throw that lifeline to people and say, you can be saved from your sins. Not judge them, but to throw the lifeline so that they too can be saved. But when you develop a self-righteous attitude, you know what it does? It trickles down into every relationship in your life. Your relationship with your spouse, children, neighbors, co-workers, my friends, my church, my, uh, even my relationship with God. I become judgmental of everyone around me. And God says, the antidote for that is for you to remind yourself of God's kindness and mercy and then ask God to help you display his kindness and tolerance and patience to those who are around you. There's something else that I want to add. Maybe you're here online and you know that stubborn and unrepentant really describes the condition of your heart. You have been stubborn, you have been unrepentant, and God is saying to you, you've got to repent. The Bible says in Hebrews 3.15, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Today is different, isn't it? You don't know why it's different, but all of a sudden you feel that something is happening inside of you, a stirring of the Spirit of God inside of you, and he's saying to you, don't walk out of here the way that you came in. Allow the Spirit of God to soften your heart. Embrace what Jesus Christ did for you. If there is some sin that you need to confess to God, maybe self-righteousness, confess it to God, make things right, and move on and follow Jesus. That's what the special says. He's saying, well, how do I repent? What, what do I do? Well, in, in Psalm 51, the... Uh, 
David had committed some awful sins. And for a whole year, he tried to neglect that. He tried to pretend that everything was okay and so on and to push it out of his mind. But finally, he comes to his senses and he prays this prayer of repentance. He says, God, be merciful to me because you are loving, because you're always ready to be merciful. Wipe out all my wrongs. Wash away all my guilt and make me clean again. Maybe that's the prayer that you need to pray today. Outside of these doors, there is a prayer room called Prayer Works. And there are people there that are willing to pray with you to help you through some of the things that you may be dealing with this morning. Don't go out of here without availing yourself of what God is offering to you, a brand new start with Him. Let's pray. Father, we thank and we praise you for your word. Thank you so much for the challenge that you give us. Father, help us to snap out of self-righteousness if we are going down that path. Help us to be able to remember how kind and merciful you are to us so that we can actually show kindness and mercy and tolerance and patience with those around us especially to our loved ones, to our friends, to those who are close to us. Help us not to be judgmental of them, but to love them with the love of Christ. I pray also, Father, for those whose heart is hard. I pray that you soften their hearts and help them to make things right with you today. For those that need to embrace the gospel of Jesus Christ in their lives, Help them to reach out to Jesus and say, Lord Jesus, save me from my sins. Help me to walk with you for the rest of my life. Thank you, Father, for your word. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.